0: As you can see from the bumper video, we're in the middle of a series about how to be rich in what matters most. Happy Memorial Day weekend to all of you. Hope you guys are ready to enjoy this beautiful weekend that we're having. Thank you for those of you that have served in the military. We so much appreciate uh, your sacrifice. If you were here last week, you know that Brian Wiles, Pastor Brian, kicked off this series and to sum up everything that he, heard, uh, he shared, if you haven't seen that, uh, please go check that out. As a great message to kind of kick off this service. But really what he shared is that as Americans here, for most of us, we are rich. We are very blessed to be in this uh, country, and just compared to everybody else in the world, we're rich. If you were here last week, you kind of got the heartbeat of that. So... That was new to me, so I went out and just bought a whole bunch of stuff this week because I thought, wow, this is great, I'm rich. Uh, Got a new sports car, all kinds of cool things. Just kidding. But to kind of reiterate what he was sharing, um, let me skip down to this, uh, this, why are we even talking about this issue of money? The median per capita household income, just worldwide... Okay, to kind of give you this picture again, is $2,920 a year. The median annual household income is about nine dollars or $10,000 a year. So a household with like three people making about $3,000 a year, $10,000 in a household, that's the annual income for most people in this world. So I share that with you again to kind of just summarize from last week. You know, being in this country and what we have and we're all going through different trials and different perspectives with our finances and different feelings. When we kind of take that look back at just where we are compared to many others, we just need to pause before God and say, wow, thank you, God. Thank you for what we have in this country. Thank you for all the amazing freedoms and the the, the riches that we have. And we want to come before God and not come from a place of discontentment, but just come before Him and worship Him in a place of contentment. And you know, a lot of times when we're learning these lessons, you and I, about contentment and just perspective and realizing that we're rich, sometimes for us that are older, we're really learning these lessons again through our children. About um, you know, 12 months ago, we were down in Florida for a vacation, and Mary Lynn and I took our three kids down there, and we were really excited about this. We were going to take a longer vacation than normal, and we were down there just enjoying the beach uh, and staying at my mom's place that she has, and it was just an amazing, fun week. And after one of the times at the beach, we went and got ice cream. And we went through the drive-thru, and we get these big ice cream cones, and we're all in the car. And I'm just thinking, wow, what a blessing. What a rich life we live. We're in Florida. We're in our swimsuits. It's beautiful out, and we have ice cream in our hands. You know, can't get any better than that, right? Well, the kids started comparing who had the bigger amount of ice cream. And they're like, well, I got a little bit more than you. No, you didn't. Why? Well, mom and dad, why did he get this? And why did they? And they kind of started this little feud in the car. And all of a sudden, it just like escalated into this really negative experience. And I'm like, is this happening right now? We're in Florida with ice cream. What is going on? And I just kind of blurted out to them, like, what are you guys doing? You know, I could go back to that ice cream place and buy all of you a gallon of ice cream. Could you please show some contentment and some thankfulness? And they just kind of got quiet. And then in that moment, I really felt God saying to me in a very uncomfortable way. I felt God saying, Matt, you do the same thing. I was like, oh boy, I don't like hearing that right now. (laughs) And then we just kind of got into this dialogue with our kids about contentment. And what does it mean to be well off? And I said, man you know what? God's blessed me with so much. You know, I got that giant ice cream cone in my hand, and I'm thankful. And the moment that I get discouraged and the moment I get discontent is when I look to the neighbor who has something more. And when we start comparing and looking around at what we don't have, we can start kind of getting a little tight with our money. And that's not a place where God wants us to live. So really, this message and this teaching today is just about us living a generous life with our finances. Living in contentment and living in thankfulness. And really, this, uh, this passage, 1 Timothy 6-17-19, through, uh, through kind of summarizes the whole heart of this message. Paul was saying to Timothy, command those who are rich... And really, as we've just established, that's all of us. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life so let's pray and let's let's expound on that that passage a little bit and just ask god to speak to us through this section in first timothy lord we just thank you for your word lord we thank you for this opportunity to come before you and just be thankful for what we have Lord, I know that the times in life where I'm focused on you and I'm realizing the blessing that you've given me in my life, those are the most joy-filled times of my life. And Lord, as we read this passage and we even think about that what we have on this earth in this present age really doesn't matter that much because there's a life to come, a true life to live in eternity. And God, we just pray by your grace and by your mercy, you would give us your your spiritual eyes, your spiritual understanding to understand your word and to, to see beyond what we just see in this world. Help us with that in Jesus' name. Amen. I love how he says, command those in this present world. Just reminding us that this isn't what it's all about, how we're living right now. And I know I'm like you. I can just be absorbed with the bills of today and the to-dos of today and the trials of today and just, and the comparison and all the distractions that take our eyes away from what's really important, the true life of eternity. He says, Remind them in this present world not to be thinking about this earthly wealth or get excited about that or arrogant about that because it's so uncertain but to put our hope in God. Put our hope in God who richly provides us with everything. You know, a few weeks ago, I was talking about being a child of God. That no matter how old we get, we're always going to be children of God. And this heart of generosity really impacts our lives when we always see Him in, in greater and greater understanding of this Heavenly Father that loves us, that died for us, that wants to bless you, that wants to richly give you everything that you need, your love, forgiveness, relationship, uh, healing, and even finances so that you might be able to take care of your family's needs and enjoy life. We have a good Heavenly Father. And so because He's that way, now we can go out and be rich in good deeds to bless other people. And if we don't start off in that premise that we have an amazingly rich heavenly father that loves us, we're going to be tight. We're going to be tight with our life. We're going to be tight with our money. And we're going to be holding on to it too much. And he says, as we do this, as we become this conduit of giving, in this way, we will be laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Treasures in heaven. And I was just praying through that this week, thinking about the coming treasure that all of us have in eternity, okay? And let me just be honest with you. Maybe you felt this way too. Have you ever just thought about what we believe as Christians and about the impact of Christ coming into our lives that we have this eternity to look forward to with God in heaven for all these years and you just think, wow, is this really true? I mean, this is crazy. This is ridiculous in some ways what we believe. And you know that thought comes to my mind in three ways. One, when I'm spending long times with God, like maybe I'm spending an hour or two hours or a whole day with God, that thought will come into my, my, my mind of like, wow, what am I believing here? Like this is amazing. I'm, I'm talking to a heavenly father believing that there's an afterlife The second place that it comes into my life is when the real big trials of life are coming in and I'm explaining to other people how my hope is in God and sometimes they look at you a little confused like you're crazy and they're looking at you like, you really believe that? You really believe that God is going to supersede these circumstances in your life? And the third time that I think about this is when I'm giving to God's kingdom. When we're giving our money, when Mary Lynn and I are writing checks to bless God's kingdom, there's moments of pause where I think, wow, we must really believe this. We are investing a lot of money into what God is doing. And those are those times where we think about this coming treasure and, and how this really is impacting our eternity. That you are going to stand before God someday And you will have had an opportunity to invest in what he is doing worldwide for all eternity. And it's amazing. So here's the big idea for today. Since we are richly blessed by God, we have money for our needs and our enjoyment. We are blessed beyond what we need. And our primary goal is to worship God and further the gospel by blessing others with our money. Okay, we have this opportunity to be blessing other people with our money. And I was so thankful to be uh, saved in this church many years ago. And I was just always surrounded by amazingly generous people that believed this. You know, when I became a Christian here at BGSU, I was just surrounded by people that were telling me how to have quiet times and how to walk with God and how to... Um, just live with him and memorize verses and give and all these things. And and it was just an amazing culture that I was raised in. And I was so thankful for it. And I lived in this house over on Manville Street. We had a bunch of guys in the church that lived on Manville. We called it the Manville house because that's where we lived, not because we were manly. We were not at all quite nerdy. And my parents bought that house, so I was co-owner in that house. And so, my dad gave me this responsibility to manage this house and to pay the mortgage and to pay all the bills. And I was pretty young and unorganized. Now I'm old and unorganized. But then I was young and unorganized. And at some point early on in this, in this uh, situation, the guys were not able to pay the rent that was due, they weren't able to pay the utilities that were due. And this was going on for months. And I was like, really leaning on these guys to give, and it was like a really stressful situation. And I was, again, a young Christian trying to be a good example to my family. My dad was not a Christian yet, and I was like, i got to go to my dad and tell him that these guys are not paying. And it was just really uh, a huge stress, and I didn't know what to do. So I was just praying and praying and praying and praying, saying, God, just show me what I should do here. And I came home one day, and on my desk in my office was this large envelope of cash, just a huge stack of cash. And I opened it up and, and, uh, and, and counted it, and it was about $500 that someone had just blessed me with to pay this mortgage and to pay these utility bills. And man, it was a huge impact on my life. Of God's provision and God taking care of me, but also giving me a generous heart. Now I tried really hard to find out who that was, and I couldn't really find. Out. I'm pretty sure it's our very own Paul Stanager that is here in this church that did that. And Paul, you've still not owned up to this, um, but if it was you, thank you. If you know who it was, you know, tell them thank you. Appreciate that. That welled up inside of me just a huge desire to be generous and to bless other people in that same way. And so the kind of the culture that I grew up in was that people were putting their security in God. Let your security be in God. And you know, it has been an amazing 30 years of being in this church. Because I can't even tell you how many generous people are in this in this church and in this city. I can't tell you how many generous people have just invested in what we're doing with the H2O network. It blows my mind. We are surrounded. I don't know if you're new here, maybe you don't know everything that's going on in this network, but we are surrounded by amazingly generous people that put their security in God. And I am so grateful for that. They live out this verse in Matthew 6, 24 And then it skips to 33. No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And He will give you everything you need. I love this passage because it's just talking about how we can be devoted to God And we don't have to let that money control us. We don't have to let that money dictate how we feel every day because we're seeking the kingdom of God and He is going to give us everything we need. He's going to bless us and He's going to take care of us. So one of the things that we really value here at H2O that we've been experiencing for for so many years is to, to make your money say something. Okay, that's one of the points I want to give you, and I want you to ponder right now. Make your money talk. Okay, your money is going to say something, whether you're intentional about it or not. Right now, your money is saying something, and what do you want your money to say, all right? And we have really valued, as you know, we want to invest our money and and in other places, but one of the key places that we invest our money is to reach college students, Okay, when this church was planted in 1984, for decades we have heard people say, that is not sustainable. I cannot tell you how many times people have said to us, you cannot have a college-focused church. You can't have a church that invests and loves on college students because it's not going to last. It will not work financially. We have heard that so many times. And every time I hear it, I always come back and say the same thing. It isn't about what's strategic. It's about giving God an opportunity to do something with the vision that he's given us. And I get really excited about that. It isn't about what's strategic to reach college students. It's about giving God an opportunity to invest in the next generation. And so that's what we want our money to say. That's what Brian and I and all the staff and all the people that have invested in us are, are, are counting on. And that's what we're, we're believing God to do. And when we started the H2O network about 10 years ago, if you're not familiar with that, this is really the main hub church for the H2O network. And 10 years ago, we decided we're going to start planting H2O churches all over the Midwest. And again, that's not a very feasible thing to do financially when you're a college ter- church to start planting college churches. And when we sent out our first college church to Kent State, we gave them $25,000 to plant that church, to help them. Now at that time, our annual budget was $50,000 a year. So we were giving half of what we made from that, the, the tithes and offerings of the church to that church plant. And you know, as we did that, God blessed us financially, and it went awesome. We didn't crash and burn. We actually thrived. And Brian and I were like, this is cool. Okay, God, we're with you. We planted again and gave another 25, and we planted again and gave another 25. And we have just kept trying to be generous and let our money say something because God is the one that's, that's funding this whole thing. And so, we have just been so overwhelmed by god's generosity and many of you are a part of that and when we talk about the importance of giving it isn't just about giving to h2o church but what are the things in your life what are the gospel oriented things in your life that you want to invest in because there's thousands of amazing great places to give. It isn't just about giving here. There's lots of other places. There's other places that Mary Lynn and I invest our money to, in, to move the gospel forward and to build God's kingdom. Billy Graham said this, give me five minutes with someone's checkbook and I'll tell you what they value. If we were to look at your checkbook If you went home and kind of just prayed through this and said, what am I investing my money in? What is it that I value? Your money often says what it is that you put the most importance in. And I also want to quote the great theologians, ACDC, okay? (laughs) They have a song called Money Talks. Maybe some of you have heard this song. They said, come on, come on, love me for the money. Come on, come on, listen to the money talk. Now these guys, they're not the guys that are filled with the most character, right? And if you've ever seen them, they're not the greatest looking guys, okay? But they say, hey, come and hang out with us. Come and party with us because we've got money. And their money is being communicated to come and have a great time with us. And we will bless you with our money. And they use this song. They use this, their money. Many people that have lots of money use their money for carnal, selfish things. And that's really what this song is all about. But if we could listen to your money talk, what would it say? And I encourage you this week to just you know, go home with your spouse, or if you're single, just go home and, and just pray through this and think about this. What am I investing in that can really continue to build God's kingdom, to be able to worship Him with your money. Now, I just mentioned this a little bit, but where should I give? People ask that question a lot. Where should I invest my money? And again, there's thousands of great places, but Proverbs 3.9 says this very simply, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Really what you want to do the whole goal of this teaching and the whole point of it is to be generous to move the gospel forward. And you need to just pray through that and, 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 and let God create a passion in you of where you want to invest. Now, we hope that if you're being fed here and you believe in what we're doing, you'll invest here. But we're not naive to know that there's thousands of amazing places to move the gospel forward. And you know, sometimes when we're giving these messages and we give these teachings, as a pastor, you could feel a little insecure about these teachings and say, oh gosh, maybe you're new here. You're thinking, gosh, do they always talk about money? You know, why, why is this guy asking for money? I'm not asking for your money, okay? And I really want to throw that clarifier in there really strong. One, it isn't just about H2O. Okay, this is about your money with God, God cares about all aspects of your, your life, everything, including money. So this is a message to just encourage you in your walk with God with that. Secondly, and I'm so excited to be able to say this too, all of our pastors in our network and all of our staff, we go out and raise support for our salaries. What I get for my salary is from Reliant Ministries, And I'm excited to go out there and talk to people about you and about our college students and what we're doing, and they want to invest in what we're doing. So my salary has nothing to do with what you give. What I get for my salary is very little from H2O. And so I don't want you to think that when Brian and I or any of us talk about this, that there's some kind of ulterior motive because it very little impacts my life. This is really about what God's doing in your life. So honor the Lord with your wealth and give to gospel things. People often ask us, well, how much of my money should I give to God? I think a better way to phrase this is how much of God's money should I keep for myself? That's a different perspective, isn't it? All of it's God's money. All the money that Mary Lynn and I bring in is God's money. And we need to say, well, how much do we need to live on? And we're always trying to make that less and less and less so that we can give more because that's what really brings the joy to our lives. It's all God's money. How, mu- how much of it does he want you to keep for yourself and how much to give? You know, this is a hard question to answer. There's some pastors out there that would say, oh, just give whatever you know, is on your heart. You know, that could be a small amount. Other churches would preach, it's got to be 10%. When the Bible talks about tithing, that means 10%, and you should give 10%. Other pastors would say, we're supposed to give more than 10%, and you're going to hear all different kinds of numbers thrown out there, and I don't want to distract you by throwing out a number. I know that Mary Lynn and I, we want to be an example, and we're excited about giving tithe and then giving above that, because that's what we're excited about doing, and we love giving, and I'm blessed to be married to somebody that's extremely generous, and so that's what we've chosen to do. I don't know your financial situation. I don't know your specific uh, incidents and and what's going on in your life, so that's something that you're going to have to figure out. But you know, when I, people ask that question, I often have thought, if you were to ask me, come up to me and say, hey, I need your advice. How much should I spend on my kids at Christmas? I'd be like, oh, I don't know. You know, uh, if I were to say 10%, you should spend 10% on your kids at Christmas. That'd be very weird, wouldn't it? How much do you decide to bless your kids at Christmas? I know if you just put a pack of gum and some socks in a stocking, they'd maybe be disappointed. I don't know. Your kids, maybe they'd be thankful. But I know we're not out buying cars for our kids for Christmas either, right? There's somewhere in there in the middle that you just kind of know in your heart, like, this is really generous, kids. And your kids are sitting there and they're like, wow, Christmas is awesome. You know, we're getting majorly blessed right now. And I kind of think in that realm when it comes to God and what we're giving, you're going to kind of know what's generous in your own heart. And God knows that when we're giving sacrificially, it, it, it steps us out in faith. It's something significant. It's something that, that, uh, that really makes a difference in our lives. And if I write that check and I'm giving to different things and it doesn't affect me in any way, I know that I'm not giving enough. That's a a strong personal conviction that we have that I don't think that that's something as a pastor. I think that's something as Christians. If we're not giving sacrificially where it hurts a little bit, and my kids will say sometimes, like, why do we give so much? Could we buy this or could we have this? And we say, no, we don't have the money for that because we'd like to invest in these things for the gospel and we say no to our kids sometimes because of our generosity, that is a great thing for your family. That's a great thing for your kids to see modeled that we're saying no to some things so that we can say yes to the kingdom. But whatever it is, let it be 2 Corinthians 9.7, really be the heart of it. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, For God loves a cheerful giver. So each of you should be in prayer about this, and you should before God decide in your heart, God, how much do you want me to give? And you just commit to that, and you regularly give what He's putting on your heart to give. And you don't do that reluctantly. You don't do it out of compulsion. You don't do it because Pastor Matt said you should do it. That is the last and worst reason that you could be generous. Okay, That's not the point of it all. It's because God wants you to be cheerful. He wants you to have that big ice cream cone or that bowl of ice cream and be like, this is awesome. This is so awesome. I want to share it with others. And if you are a vessel that God can pour His finances through. He will bless you more and more for that. It says that very clearly in Malachi 3.10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord to heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. This is one of the rare times in Scripture where God says, test me in this. If you give sacrificially, God is going to richly bless you. And I don't just mean financially. We're not a prosperity church here um, preaching the prosperity gospel. But what we're saying is He will bless you. And He'll bless your, your spiritual life and your relationships and your intimacy with Him because you're stepping out in faith. You know, to close, I, I was thinking about this uh, this guy I was reading about, Arthur Demoss, and Arthur and Nancy Demoss um, were a very generous couple. And Arthur Demoss, there's a picture of him right there. Um, he was saved in his in his early twenties. Okay, Arthur was a bookie. Okay, he would take in bets for horse racing. And pretty, pretty carnal guy from his bio and, uh, and just kind of living out in the world. And God got a hold of his heart in Tony Campola's church. Tony Campola's a famous pastor and author. And in his early 20s, he became a Christian. And he was really savvy and he was really good at money. And I love this because he went to Tony Campola, his pastor, as a young person. And he said, Tony, I'm going to change the world for the gospel. And Tony said, hey, are you going to be a missionary? He's like, no, I'm not going to be a missionary. There's tons of missionaries. I'm going to go out and make a lot of money and bless the kingdom. And Tony, you know, he didn't know who this young guy was. Okay, go for it, whatever. Well, Arthur DeMoss started this insurance company that just exploded. He was super, super successful in insurance and just made millions and millions of dollars. And Arthur and, and Nancy DeMoss, they decided that they wanted to do all different kinds of things with their money. But the main thing that they wanted to do, this is back in the 60s, 70s, 80s. It still continues on today. But back in the, in the 60s, 70s, he said, you know what? I know there's a lot of famous celebrities that love Jesus, and I want to get their story out. So Arthur DeMoss started investing millions of dollars of finding these famous people, Miss America, politicians, actors, actresses, famous athletes, all these people, and they would promote Jesus and tell their little story, and he would put it on all the national TV shows, okay? So in one year, he spent about $26 million for all these TV ads with these celebrities, And at the end of the commercial, there would be this little phone number and people would call and Arthur would send them a book called Power for Living. And millions of people were calling and getting this book. Millions of people were reading how to have a walk with Jesus and to walk with him and have quiet times and all these things. And tons of people were getting saved and lives were changing. And at one year of him doing this, he outgave what was being spent in political campaigns, which is pretty crazy. You know how much money is being spent on political uh, advertising. And no one really knew who he was at this time. And one day, he was out playing tennis. He's about 53 years old. This is in the 70s. And he died of a heart attack. And in his will, he said, I want to give another $200 million to these various things of the gospel. And his wife, Nancy, and his family have continued this foundation. So I'm going to show you one little ad, one little 30-second ad. This is after he died and his wife and his family continued it on. But this is a famous pitcher for the New York Yankees, uh, Andy Pettit. In 1996, I fulfilled a dream of a lifetime. I had the opportunity to win a World Series with the New York Yankees and then had the opportunity to win four more after that. But the greatest moment of my life was when I was 11 years old and I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. God has given me an unbelievable peace to know that the day that I accepted Him as my personal Lord and Savior, that I was gonna spend eternity with Him. My name is Andy Pettit and Christ is my life. Isn't that cool? He did hundreds of those TV ads And and, and literally just tons of people came into the kingdom and were saved. You know when he died, almost no one besides his family knew what he was doing. He had no fame. I doubt anybody here knows who Arthur DeMoss is. When he started his foundation, he made every person sign a confidentiality agreement and no one in his organization could ever tell anybody where this money was coming from or be self-promoting and they lived this incredibly secret life decades later time magazine dug and dug and dug to find out who in the world are these power for living people and where is all this money coming from and no one knew who he was until after he would die he died because he was so passionate about God getting the glory. And he didn't want people to know about him or what he was doing because he wanted all of the focus to be on Jesus. And I just absolutely love that. He was not a famous person, but he lived his life in generosity to make Jesus famous. And that's really what we're trying to do. That's what Our heart is. In Luke 21, one through three, this widow had this same kind of attitude. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. Jesus praised this widow, not because she gave millions, but because what she gave was a lot to her. And it was sacrificial. And and that's really what this is all about, is our hearts before God to just be generous and, and to make a difference, to make Him famous through our generosity. Let's pray.